good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I'm speaking to you from sunny, very sunny, very hot Southern California. Mm. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood, and I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I'm coming to you from Harlem, and it is hot, but there may be a bit of rain on the way a little bit later today, according to the forecast. God, I hope so. I'm Seth Rodney. <laughs> I am a senior editor at the Hyperallergic blog. I am also a recent author of a book titled Personalization of the Museum Visit, which is published by Routledge in May of this year. And uh, I used to be a fencer, and I, I kind of miss it today. Like, today is the kind of day where I mm. wish that I... Yeah, I, I was still doing that. I just read a story... I uh, know this is not apropos the weather or where I'm from. I'm coming to you from the South Bronx. But I read a great story the other day about one of the fencers who won gold at the Pan Am Games, who mm-hmm. uh, took the podium and kneeled and said that he was oh, kneeling yes. uh-huh. in solidarity with wow. the folks back in the U.S. who were protesting. Mm-hmm. Gun violence. St- yeah, gun violence. Mm. But but he had a list of things. And, and also yeah. the sort of... Um, Racial animus that is being mm-hmm. flogged by a uh, white supremacist in, in white supremacist in chief and the rest of his staff. <laughs> white supremacist um, in chief. <laughs> yeah, and this this guy, um, this guy race is his name. Race. Oh, 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 oh I'm blanking on his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, is very principled, and he took a risk, and a risk that you know may end up costing him something. And I just want to shout him out today. Thank you, race, for. You know, standing up for principle, um, even at the even at the cost of something to you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, standing up by kneeling down. So. Yeah, indeed. Um, indeed. So we are. Thank you for that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are continuing uh, our conversation on climate change, uh, and as we mentioned last week, uh, we uh, are going to talk about archives, material memory, and archive is a material memory. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have our resident archivist, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen G. Fullwood, so, uh, who's going to uh, lead some, we're just basically going to let him kind of take the reins and, <laughs> and talk about things, and, and, and we'll, we'll chime in when we have something to contribute. I have so. definitely Stephen, left spaces. Yeah, Stephen, take it away. <laughs> take it away. Take it away. <laughs> so the story actually, um, my interest in it, in this particular part of uh, subject today, kind of came from a few podcasts back where we were looking at our expertise, you know, just sort of un- um, unconsciously. And we're like, oh, yeah, Seth, art museums or art, how are they dealing with in their in the content? Mm-hmm. Would it be, you know, how are they dealing with contact, uh, climate, con- mm-hmm. um, climate change? And I said, well, let me think about archives, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. initially, the path I took was looking for collections that focused on collecting resources around climate change and where would they okay. be where would mm. it be in what archives or library mm-hmm. or what have you but a lot mm. of the stuff that i found i didn't find any collections and admittedly i didn't do a massive search but i did do a mm-hmm. search and most of the things dealing with climate change were specifically how archives libraries and museums will deal with climate change externally Mm, ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So there are things that the Society of American Archivists kind of talks about on, um, in, in the Society of American Archivists' organization, obviously of archivists, um, from different, um, institutions, independents, and so forth. What I found most intriguing, though, was that as I was thinking about archives, 
the metaphor for or the microcosm as a society could be the archive, right? So if we position mm-hmm. the archive that way, we th- mm-hmm. I thought about how people respond to climate change outside of the archive versus inside of the archive. So mm-hmm. then, I, then somehow Carnegie libraries came to mind, and Carnegie, um, Andrew Carnegie, at the turn of the 20th century, built like an a serious amount of buildings that were um, that were used as um, libraries and subsequently mm-hmm. archives in some ways. So mm-hmm. at the turn of the 20th century, he built over 2,509 libraries mm. internationally, wow. 1,689 in the U.S. alone. 67 in New York City, <laughs> uh, as opposed to 147 in New York State, and that these wow. particular buildings really weren't built to sustain collections, books, or archival material. They oh. were often very beautiful. There are qu- quite a few of them still left. In fact, the Schomburg, um, Arthur Schomburg's collection was purchased in 1926, and mm-hmm. from the 135th Street Branch Library, which was um, created in 1902. And that collection ended up building the Schomburg Center as we know it today. That building is okay. still there. And when we were doing, um, when I was an employee there for about 19 years, three months and 24 days, um, <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. About. <laughs> about. I tell that joke it's just for me. I don't but tell it for anybody else. Funny. <laughs> I know it's funny, right? And I like to laugh. So that particular building, um, in order for it to, for, to renovations, and I think this is for a lot of landmarks, you can't change anything regarding the facade. You can mm-hmm. only mm-hmm. do internal stuff and you need to be very careful about that. The Carnegie mm-hmm. buildings weren't tech, you know, built for tech, obviously. Mm. Um, so, and they weren't built for preservation's purposes mm. in terms of taking care of things. So mm. I was looking at some things online and some articles where around the country, people are either selling the Carnegie libraries to shore up funds for the city or state, oh, or no. they're trying their best mm. to maintain them because they're part of our heritage. Right. Mm-hmm. And so but if we go back to the metaphor of the archive as society, archives and libraries have been much more responsive to climate change within the institution. Mm-hmm. So our roof is leaking. There's a flood. There's a heat wave that knocks out the power. Collections are at risk all the time. Mm-hmm. But for, for those who are not in the field or haven't really thought about it, this is society, you know, um, or a very small part of society captured in its mass-produced materials, it's books, films, videos, or what have you. Um, Very, very unique materials, rare materials, um, including manuscripts, artworks, and one-of-a-kind three-dimensionals. These things are really important. So it made me think about how to frame a conversation around climate change by using the archive Mm. as a metaphor for society. Mm. You know, disaster recovery, you know, you're on it, right? (laughs) You are on it Mm -hmm. to get it um, done. Um, it makes me think about how temperature-controlled environments, like there, there's a, a library in Copenhagen that was built to withstand not only outside temperatures and whatever was going on, but inside as well. Mm-hmm. So there was mm-hmm. no vir- virtually no fluctuation in the, um, mm-hmm. the temperature or the humidity control because a dry, cool place is where... Mm-hmm archives maintain the the integrity of the materials. So, integrity. Mm. Right. So if there is an acid-free, mm. you know, acid-free mm. boxes are used, acid-free photos are used to basically stop mm. the corrosion. Time. Right. Exactly. Yeah, time. Yes, time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Thank you for that. And so mm. then I said, well, what about outside of these temperature control places? So there's a library in Egypt. 
mm-hmm. where the collections virtually are, you know, very dry, very air conditions, but very, it's very hot there. But mm-hmm. they've been able to, without the use of, um, without the use of air conditioning, maintain the integrity of these documents that are extremely old. Mm-hmm. So what the Society of American Archivists is tr- um, Archives is trying to do is to look at each in- each institution mm-hmm. uniquely, as opposed to saying, and right now, and so the the um, the idea is to have temperature a temperature controlled environment, humidity needs to be this, and and so forth, and people are starting mm-hmm. to argue against it because they're saying oh. that it isn't really helping these things. In fact, if anything, archives when Carnegie was building these buildings, as I mentioned, that that wasn't anything he was thinking of. And I haven't yet been able to to trace whether or not the profession was at a point where it thought about these things. Hmm. Now, what's the objection again? So that that it's not helping, that it's not that preserving the material integrity one of the size object, or that one, it's contributing to the degradation of the environment by preserving things? It's a little bit of both in terms of it's not oh. one size does not fit all. Um, okay. So archivists and preservationists are trying to be a little bit more thoughtful in their engagement rather than say every archives needs to do this to be mm. up to sp- up to speed because Egypt versus Copenhagen are extremely two different environments. Mm. And what's powerful about the envir- about those stories to me is that we have a lot more to learn how mm. to do this work best. As an archivist, mm. A preservationist was a special kind of archivist, obviously. He or she or they, they mm-hmm. were doing things to make sure, and often I would consult with them to, hey, this this um, notebook came in, it was in a flood, but we see that it can possibly still be saved. Can it be? And they can do that work. And they're mm-hmm. specialized and they do that work. And sometimes it, they do very basic things sometimes that are not high tech. And other times they have to free something to keep to stop the water from, you know, I'm really ripping up the environment. Degrading the object. Yeah, further degrading it. Right, but I want to pull it back to archives, and I want to ask Mm -hmm. you guys a couple questions in Mm -hmm. terms of how, and it it kind of goes a bit off, but I was thinking, like I said, archives is a metaphor for sort of thinking about climate change. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other ways that we can think about uh, making legible this kind of information to just regular folk, right? Mm -hmm. Because... I mean, when I left the library, I mean, I was thinking about, I've worked at libraries in other parts of the U.S., and if there was a leak or a flood, it was considered, you don't tell anybody, it was an in-house kind of thing, right? Because mm. because the public will just imagine the destruction of history, you know, and mm. the more academically mind or the more preservation mind or historically mind or even genealogies would be, you know, really, um, we want to know what's happening because it is a public institution. Right. Mm -hmm. And so their dollars go in to make this thing happen outside of public libraries or private institutions that do that um, kind of thing. But still, how do we make things more? If I hope I'm being clear, using or let's just do it this way. What do you guys think about archives as a point of reference to talk about climate change? That's the first question Mm -hmm. I have for you. So, I mean, Seth, if you want to jump in, uh, I, I like the idea of, you know, sort of thinking about the society as kind of the receptacle within which its material culture is preserved or mm-hmm. or not preserved. So, you know, you talked about buildings and facades. Facades have to be right, preserved. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that jumped to mind, and I probably will need help pulling it back to climate change, but I do think it is an interesting observation, mm-hmm. which is that, you know, essentially 
an archivist or or the attempt to make an archive is a subgroup's effort to preserve something that the culture wants to forget or will f- and, and want mm-hmm. might be might be too strong uh-huh. but mm-hmm. maybe will but um, is willing certainly it's in some mm-hmm. instances wants to forget and mm-hmm. in some instances is willing to forget mm-hmm. um and and that this is an actual it's a counter uh, it's a counter narrative, right? Because societies save the things that matter. You know, like they preserve the pyramids yes. at Giza, right? Mm-hmm. Those things that that because it it told a particular narrative about the people in power. It told a particular narrative about the ruling elite. They would connect themselves with that. So, mm-hmm. as an archivist, and the variety of archives that that might be created in response to a variety of social ills mm-hmm. or or particular cultures that would otherwise be forgotten. Mm-hmm. It's it's a willful act yes. um, to maintain what is essentially unstable, right? Yes. I mean, the, the, you know, you you had mentioned, you know, I mean, so we are accelerating climate change, but climate change is the rule, right? Yes, just on just on time scales right. that are different than mm-hmm. than are human. Um, and so I like the metaphor, uh, you know, of the archive is it, it sort of writ large on the culture and the society. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I probably need a little help understanding sort of where, um, where you're drawing in kind of the instabilities, uh, in the archive around, you know, maintenance and, and, you know, the leaks and floods and, mm-hmm, and environments mm-hmm. being unstable and things like that. I, okay. Where, where are you drawing the connection for those two? I don't know. Maybe well, Seth, you can. You yeah. Can I want to, well, I do want to jump in because I okay. think I'm just going to kind of over maybe over, I want to put over in parentheses. I'm going to try to simplify s- some stuff, maybe oversimplify. The archive is sort of coextensive with my sense of what constitutes the human project on this planet insofar as we are creatures that tell each other stories. The story mm-hmm. that we're kind of constantly telling each other is mm-hmm. the story of, of us. We're saying, mm-hmm. oh, look at, you know, we're humans. We do this. We, we're great. We're, mm-hmm. we're wonderful. We've concocted this way to sort of rule over the planet, mm-hmm. uh, just using the gift of, of an oversized brain. Mm-hmm. The leaks and stuff come in. We can look around. Uh, we can look around ourselves and see where those leaks come in. Those leaks come in politically. Yes. Those leaks come in socially. The, we are always trying to make. I mean, democracy is essentially an attempt to a, to maintain a kind of political equilibrium where you don't disenfranchise so many people. That you have sort of monthly revolutions, right? It is a kind of attempt mm-hmm. to find a a temperature at which we can all, most of us can bottom exi- up bottom up accountability. Yeah, is mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, because the elites have always been accountable to each other, right? But it's, mm-hmm. it's right. about trying to create bottom up accountability. Well, mm-hmm. right, just in so just so that we don't have violent revolution mm-hmm. regularly. Mm-hmm. So I think of uh, of the sort of archive as being a useful analogy or way of thinking about the species, the species, the entire species, insofar as we're always trying to preserve us, really just, I think, ultimately to preserve our story, mm-hmm. to preserve mm-hmm. our idea that we are at the quote-unquote top of the food chain and that we belong here. 
And the sort of the sort of threats that we're seeing ecologically to that order makes us take quite seriously the idea that we can die out. That not that, that we're not that it's just that we'll die, but that we can die out. So I feel like this this is is this making sense? It, it, it does. Mm-hmm. It does. The the only the thing where the only complication I would add in is is it's not the effort at the preservation is also it's the leaks aren't just political, mm-hmm. right? But the actual effort at the preservation is also political, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and mm-hmm. I mean, and socially constructed, and you know where the preoccupations with the culture lie, mm-hmm. and so in some ways, you know, the the effort to preserve what is inherently unstable i i think i am 100% on board with you Seth. i agree and and steven as well that yeah, th- that is what we are doing that's what we do when we build cities right. and mastabas and mm-hmm. pyramids right. and exactly eiffel right. towers mm-hmm. and all the rest of it yeah. um you know we we make monuments to invisible things to make them manifest in the world mm-hmm. and or and, we make mon- wanting- or we make monuments to ourselves to make ourselves manifest mm-hmm. in the world yeah. Right? yeah 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 uh and 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 the archive as an effort again often by a subgroup right to preserve that at least in the way that that we're talking about mm-hmm. um you know you talked about the schomburg collection and whatnot i mean this is clearly something that the ruling elite in the united states at that time would have preferred to forget right right mm-hmm. the history of how we treated black americans right. is something that <laughs> yeah thank you treat mm-hmm. well but I, but I, i'm talking about in in the sense of slavery as an institution right i mean c- clearly it's contiguous with our current history mm-hmm. but the institution itself is oh, yeah, is in disrepute yeah. at least yeah we we would love to i mean there is a, a very powerful cadre of people in this country that would love to forget that history mm-hmm. they want it as as a willful act mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. to actually uh-huh. to, to be rid of it altogether mm-hmm. so as far as you know the the climate change piece of it though i i guess i would have a, you know you said and you're kind of poking around mm-hmm. you really didn't see a lot as far as what insti- what institutions may be doing to preserve the record of climate change mm-hmm. and and i do wonder you know most of our concern around climate change uh, is of course with ourselves as Seth I think rightly pointed out but it's you know with the disappearance of the polar bear and mm-hmm. you know the emperor penguin and you know the mm-hmm. the, the animals that suffer from the, the rapid change in the environment how would one even go about archiving these kind of things. I mean, are these are like DNA banks. Would a DNA bank be considered? Can oh, no, you have definitely. like a chromosomal archive? You know, you have is a chromosomal that... archive. You definitely got a seed archive. You have all kinds of archives. Mm. Absolutely. And so, like I said, I didn't do what I should have done or what, what I didn't have time to really do it the way I wanted to do it to find those archives to broaden the conversation about what an archive is. You know, mm-hmm. um, what I stuck to was selfishly is the stuff that I've typically d- been doing and continue mm-hmm. to do around mm-hmm. saving material mm-hmm. culture and knowing mm-hmm. that it's always endangered in some way, politically, mm-hmm. socially, physically, mm-hmm. um, uh, through um, a certain kind of, I think the word is fiat. I want to <laughs> look that mm-hmm. up right. Mm-hmm. But it's a, um, not that cute little car. I'm actually looking for something. <laughs> <laughs> That's but funny. it's the idea of, um, so most people, one of the talks that I, um, workshops I like to give, and I like to frame it f- 
for whatever institution or whatever group of people I'm talking to is around the idea that we're always building an archive in our homes. We're building, we're carrying around archives on our phones, um, but that it's it's still largely something where we're not thinking about it. And I tried to earlier on when you guys were talking to link up this idea of forgetting as the national narrative <laughs> and um, how archives fight against erasure in that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, yeah. but that obviously yeah. archivists are quite clear that we can't save everything. We're so clear about that. We've been clear about that from mm-hmm. the beginning of the field. And mm-hmm. it largely became an archive at that point, these different movements of archives of uh, the people who did it, you know, uh, a, a celebration of um, the empire, you know, largely. Mm-hmm. But then there were all these other different archives that came in and said, no, no, that's, that's part of a story, but that's not the story. And so mm-hmm. socially, politically, these other archives came up and to, to this very day defend themselves against erasure. And it's very hard to because economics, you know, and mm-hmm. then there is a public that's not that particularly aware of what the importance of archives until you need them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not, not particularly aware or particularly interested. Yeah, because they're like, well, you know, I got to eat. You know, mm-hmm. what are archives? Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't mean it to make it that flat because it's not really mm-hmm. that flat because people who do have something to eat and have the choice of choosing what they want to eat still think of archives mm-hmm. as, so what do you do again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. well, I, I don't know what version to give you just yet because I'm offended by the question. You know, I have to move my ego <laughs> out of the way and then That's go, funny. this is what I do. And are you really that interested? Shall I waste my breath? You know, <laughs> that kind of right. So, because hey, the question hey, but, is is actually trying to get you to justify your existence, right? They're saying, like, yeah. really, who are you? Like, why is that important? It's like coming out of the I, closet I, twice. I mean, <laughs> just like, <laughs> what is what nonsense is this? You know. Mm-hmm. So I have a I have a uh, kind of a. Uh, def- a question of definitions mm-hmm. uh, that is a prelude to a second question, which is: so, is the difference between an archive and a museum the public component? So, in a, a museum, the idea would that you would get sort of public engagement, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a layman's engagement, and is an archive uh, is an archive primarily designed for specialists, or what's the distinction between the two? So, a museum could be an archive in the fact that it is a building, it is an edifice that contains collections. Whether or not the archive that they have within that institution is available to the public is really up to that museum. Mm. Like, but go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, Stephen. I'm and sorry. So, an archive is. Um, I'm just going to read off the internet. Um, the collection of historical documents or records providing information about a place, institution, or group of people. But then that's also just a place where you store things. In the context of what we're talking about, archives. Um, it's funny because now I'm like, I've lost your question. <laughs> no, no, I, um, let me answer it. Let me answer yeah, it. I got perfect. it. The, mm-hmm. well, essentially, it, the question is, what's the difference between a museum and an archive? And the, and the, and the sort of... Oh, I sort of answered it. Okay. Uh, it, it <laughs> the sort of uh, explanatory clause was, is it about the public component? Is it about allowing people in to see stuff? No. No. The, the primary difference mm-hmm. is that museums are display spaces. Archives are not necessarily about display. That's the key difference. Like the, uh, museums do have archives or have an archival function. They have mm. collections, but s- primarily they are split down the middle by like having this collection and they have an entire, I mean, essentially they've spawned birth an entire cadre of professionals known as curators mm-hmm. who take the thing and then publicly present it. Doesn't the display imply a public though? 
Right, right, right. It does, but mm-hmm. that public can be limited depending on what kind of museum, museum you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, I I didn't mean to say like the publis, like every like Tom, Dick, and Harry in <laughs> in the culture, but I I just more meant that. The to put something on display mm-hmm. is to invite a kind of space in which people can walk through and Absol- peruse, absolutely. and and the others involve a kind of more specialized precisely uh, storage. I mean, storage storage is helpful, and as storage and agents who can like understand what what is in that storage and can pull things out of storage when right. they need to be pulled out. Right. right, right, and so is is there is there not a sense in which Archives are also aspirational in in that, or slash museums are aspirational in that we would all like to visit the the car museum that displays when automobiles were still a thing, right? And and in in a sort of after the fact way, right? So like there was you would not have a museum on slavery and the history of Black Americans prior to right. Um, right. Uh, Juneteenth, right? right. You, you wouldn't, prior to emancipation, you wouldn't have had that. Right, so right. There, there is a sense in which the archive itself is an aspirational mm-hmm. project. And so, a certain kind the, of the, Oh, I'm sorry. I just want to verify that. A certain kind oh, of Oh, please, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. I want to draw mm-hmm. a distinction with, um, mm-hmm. say, the Schomburg mm-hmm. versus uh, the Met is that the Schomburg mm-hmm. works in this liminal space where it has exhibition space and is often mm-hmm. called a museum versus a research mm-hmm. center. Mm-hmm, but the mm-hmm. collections themselves, through um, interpretive programming, put those materials on the wall or in cases and so forth. So it, it serves mm-hmm. that kind of thing as well, but its main point is research. For example, mm-hmm. in Europe, a lot of people, a lot of the kinds of archives you'll run into in Europe and even in Africa and other places, and, and it's starting to change slowly, you're going to find mm-hmm. records management. For an institution, mm. but that families keep often keep their archives. Mm. Very different from the U.S. Very different. Mm. Even though families here do keep their archives if they're moneyed, they're keeping their stuff in their home. But I wanted to say something about the the archive itself in that it really depends on the archive. They are aspirational, and they're almost in some ways I think for me um, not no brainers, but they they feel a need for memory work. Mm. They feel mm-hmm. a need. For someone who wants to know what happened here or how it happened. And then I, won't, I was going to say I wasn't going to get into the politics of what's collected and what mm-hmm. archives collect and what they don't collect and what's considered mm-hmm. research, of research value and what's not. But all mm-hmm. those things factor into a robust archive or an archive that's mm-hmm. hyper aware of itself and it needs to mm-hmm. be because mm-hmm. times are constantly changing about what mm-hmm. what's valued as research valuable and what's not based on the academy based on genealogies based on historical mm-hmm. records in general but it's it's a fascinating field it feels like it's a lens through you can look at almost every subject on earth and learn something right so the material, but sorry i'm getting off of it so no no not at all it's just that i want to circle this back towards climate change mm-hmm. and say that it's specifically addressing the query travis put forward uh, whether uh, regarding whether or not archives are aspirational, I was thinking of the international uh, global seed vault. Yes, in mm-hmm. in um, yeah. Svalbard. Yes, I was thinking. Yeah, in some ways, it is aspirational, isn't it? I mean, I, I just want to be clear to our listeners what this is. It's uh, mm-hmm. 
uh, on their website uh, for croptrust.org, the, on the, under the need, there's, there's, uh, there's written, worldwide there's more than 1,700 gene banks that hold collections of food crops for safekeeping, yet many of these are vulnerable, exposed not only to natural catastrophes and war, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. to avoidable disasters such as lack of funding or poor management, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. The purpose is it was a recognition of the vulnerability of the world's gene banks that sparked the idea of establishing a global seed vault to serve as a backup storage facility. The purpose of the vault is to store duplicates, i.e. backups, of seed samples from the world's crop collections. So essentially the idea is that if all hell breaks loose and we lose that biodiversity that's that, uh, is essentially continue to lose our biodiversity. I mean, it's happening. No, right. Right. no, right, right. right. Yeah. But, but, but specifically with regards to uh, sources of food, sources mm-hmm. of nourishment mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. us, that mm-hmm. this place can sort of is is a sort of backstop against it's like that. An like intervention. We, can, we can go, mm-hmm. right. We can go. We can go to this place and we can get most of it back. The, mm-hmm. That is aspirational, right? But it is is specifically aspiring to that dystopian vision mm. right of the mm-hmm. end of the world that we talked about last episode right because yeah. mm-hmm. essentially this is where we go when it all falls apart right 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 i like that word aspirational though because i think it's anticipate anticipatory obviously mm-hmm. of what mm-hmm. might happen but also in the past we've missed this kind of thing and we were searching for it and to mm-hmm. go back to the whole story so it feels like the it's it's trying to save more stories Mm-hmm. and reckoning with those stories so this particular collection has this information this collection has this what does the comparative analysis come out to be you know looking at different ways of thinking about climate change for example you know mm-hmm. even looking at the different kinds of archives as you suggested earlier travis for me thinking about those things talk broadens the idea of an archive as a way to think about climate change for people mm-hmm. um, by mm-hmm. introducing them to the different kinds of archives. I'm glad you read about the seed archive because those mm-hmm. are awesome. You know, when I first heard mm-hmm. about it, I was like, that's, that's a no-brainer. You know, that's great. I wasn't thinking yeah. necessarily about dystopian. I was thinking mm-hmm. later on we might want to um, do some splicing and think about ways to make mm-hmm. better food, not in a, not in a mm-hmm. Monsanto way. <laughs> Um, right, the evil right. corporation, no, no. Ah, you see, <laughs> but in a way that we get better food or we better nutrition, you know, we have better nutrition. Mm. Just the science of it is wonderful to me, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah, that's my brain on that. Yeah, yeah, it, it, you know, the archive—it's it, a really—it's a big category with which to think with our archives and, mm-hmm. and the aspiration. It, it really—they do as much as they're a preservation of the past. It, it's they're so intimately connected with hope in the future, mm-hmm. um, and, or 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 or, or uh, thinking of the future as being a dead end. Yeah, I meant, I meant, but that the that the very even even assuming that, which I think you're right to point out, there's still the gesture of hope to preserve the That's seed right. for some, That's right. you know, scars guard, you know, seven foot tall scientist, right. you know, with blonde hair <laughs> that right, can right, you know, right, right. like replant the world right. or whatever. That's so, right. and so th- that even in, in spite of however bleak the future that's being imagined, mm-hmm. there is the hope and gesture that, that, that this should be preserved. And mm-hmm. so I, I think archives are, 
yeah, a, a beautiful category to, yeah, to think about. And maybe they're uh, ultimately just. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Travis, but maybe they're no, no, no. Please, they're really ultimately hopeful. I mean, that's that's what you so. actually just could convince yeah. me of that. Like, but they're hopeful more in just more in, in more ways than just a seed vault is hopeful. Like, it's also yeah. hopeful. Ultimately, um, Stephen, I think you you were kind of getting at this that it's hopeful in in, the, in terms of there is a part of us that wants to preserve this memory, these events, mm-hmm. these significances, in mm. spite of the fact that most of us are quite willing to forget. Like, Absolutely. Like, yeah. That's a wonderful like way to saying, put it. And, we're saying yeah. we're going we're gonna to give these guardians, right, a, mm-hmm. a, a few stories uh, that are really precious to us, even though we forget them and we're not right. really cognizant mm-hmm. of how precious they are. But we're going to say, mm-hmm. you know what, you ignore all of us when we go about like worrying about Beyonce and like what's, what's happening with the Bayhive and you preserve this stuff for us and, you know, remind us when we're like ready to listen to you, how important it is. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 I never knew what archives, like I, I fell into archives, like I fell into librarianship, but it, mm. it, it fulfills so much of my own interest around storytelling, around story preservation, mm. about finding stories there are letters. There's a woman by the name of Alice Childress who the CIA could not figure out how old she was. Um, <laughs> her um, FOIA files in her archives, or Freedom of Information Act files in her her um, her archive at the Schomburg are amazing. They tracked her. They tried to figure mm-hmm. out things. But this woman had this amazing career as an actress with the American Negro Theater that used to practice at the Schomburg, the the 135th Street Branch Library in the basement through, Mm. I think she was in her 50s when she wrote A Hero Ain't Nothing But a Sandwich about Mm. a 13-year-old heroin addict named Benny. And Mm -hmm. this is around the time that um, people just wrote a lot of letters. So letters and their manuscripts and photographs. And you just get, you know, I was enchanted by her. I'm still enchanted Mm -hmm. by her. That mm. learning her story just set me off. It was one of my first major collections that I processed at the Schomburg, and I will always be um, indebted to my boss allowing me to overwrite the finding aid. And mm. finding aids are guides to the collections, but they're not supposed to do the work of an academic or a historian mm. or anyone else. We're just supposed to go, mm. just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, <laughs> um, mm. so to speak. And, and it was a joyful experience, a very hard experience, but a very joyful one around thinking about how to frame someone's life. So that you're mm-hmm. respectful of what, you know, the, not just the who, what, where, when, and why of them, but the, you know, we, ca- I, d- I made a decision to collect or to keep rather, um, the material that was turned over around, um, bills because this woman was mm-hmm. a black woman in the, who was also, I'm sorry, I totally skipped over this, but she was a playwright, a successful playwright. She was, she, she, um, made her living as a writer and there aren't that many archives that, at that point that we're just keeping things that gave a sense of what her daily life was like or what her mm-hmm. other life was like, this sort of like non-creative life was like this mundane life. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to give, um, or hopefully offer researchers of the future an opportunity to kind of think about her. What was she writing? What was her, what was her, what were her bills like? What was she paying? She was a single mm-hmm. mother at that point. So mm-hmm. there are all these wonderful things that my boss um, gave me, information and ways to think about what an archive can do for the culture, mm. not just the mm. academics, but other people who just wanted to find out what else Childress mm-hmm. was like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. your regular person. So I fell in love with archives and it won't let me go. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's hugging up on me and it will for the rest of my life. So. Yeah. Well, we're glad to. Thanks. 
Um, thanks very much for the conversation, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Okay. Take care. Take care.